Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am Christy Francesca. Joining me, uh, per usual, uh, for the long term, as we stated for the first time last week, uh, this is now a, a two-man band. Um, George Rogers, what's going on, man? We're like the two-man power trip. Even better. Um, uh, so this week, like I said, this is the month or the month and a half of all WrestleMania coverage is here. And this week we are quite literally covering probably and arguably the granddaddy of them all. Like, you know, for most circles within the wrestling fandom, WrestleMania 17 is the biggest WrestleMania and the best WrestleMania of all time. Now I rank WrestleMania 17 number two. And uh, for those who know, WrestleMania 19, I believe is the best WrestleMania of all time. Um, But I, I watched this pay-per-view in its entirety. Uh, See, we're recording this on Tuesday, on Sunday. And I still put it at my number two, very close to being my number one of all time. The only thing that stops it is the ending of the main event. But I still, you know, we'll get to that. But nonetheless, this pay-per-view, man, was the, this was the peak And this was the finality. This was the culmination of the Attitude Era. And like I've said before, I think WrestleMania 17 was the unofficial end of the Attitude Era. It was moving into a whole new um, uh, era of WWE, uh, WWF wrestling. I really think that WrestleMania 17 was everything built up since 1998. Um, And uh, we're going to get into that. and. It's just a massive, massive event. Uh, George, before we get right into WrestleMania 17, um, you know, we're approaching WrestleMania 38. We have a couple main events that are already set in stone. Uh, Title for title, looks like we're going to have an undisputed champion at WrestleMania. Probably going to be Roman Reigns, but nonetheless, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. for all intents and purposes, we assume uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin will be doing something in the ring, whether it's a one-on-one match against Kevin Owens, maybe a tag match, but looks like we're going to get Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the news broke before our la- right after our last recording that Cody Rhodes is most likely going to be joining uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, like literally shocking the entire wrestling world. Um, we have the most likely and hopeful sole member of the 2022 WWE Hall of Fame being The Undertaker. Um, George, this WrestleMania, I mean, they, they're calling it the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time. I mean, I know the two nights thing hurts this a little bit, but my God, man, WrestleMania 38 is setting up to be one that we'll remember forever. Uh it's it's hard to argue. I mean, when you see some of the things that are rumored, also, yeah, I mean, along with a you know, along with Austin and Owens, which I don't think you can do a tag match. It goes against it. Honestly, having a tag match goes against everything of Austin's character. I agree. Austin's Mister DTA, Mister Don't Trust Anybody. You can't just stick him in a tag match. Right. It ain't, ain't gonna right. have, ain't gonna have the pop. Um, Cody jumping ship is a, is massive. Yes, it is. Um, whereas Cody himself not you know 
is is probably you know maybe like a top maybe a top tier mid carter at best. Mm-hmm. But this man was an EVP. Yep. For the number one rival company, he was like, you know what, done. Going back mm-hmm. to where the actual big boys play, where the adults play. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where you the know, big money the is. is. Where the big boys play. It's like, well, then WWE is where the adults play. <laughs> yes. You know, um, also, it's also hotly rumored to have uh, Edge versus AJ Styles. That's, yeah. That's going to be a five star match in of itself, Dave Meltzer. Um, I, I think that's going to be the, sh- I mean, on paper, that's the show stealer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's shaping up to be something to to be something special. WrestleMania should be feeling like a uh, should be feel like another episode of Raw. WrestleMania mm-hmm. should always feel uh, grandiose, larger than life. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what you know. What we say if you got Vince was back against the wall, yeah, he's gonna give you a show. Yep. This is be and for. And I don't, and obviously it has nothing to do with AEW because you don't see them as competition, even yeah. a little bit. But this is basically the way I'm going to look at it. I'm probably, I'm probably wrong. Whatever. This is how I choose to. <laughs> this is basically a culmination of two years, or, or probably in three years, of AEW just talking nonstop shit about mm-hmm. WWE, and they're like, well. All right, let me show you how a real company runs a fucking pay per view. Yep, I mean, you're right. Two, and they got two nights of full AT&T Stadium, which holds over a hundred thousand people. Um, this is the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And it looks like uh, it was announced also today. Another hit to the AEW, you know, uh, stands of the universe. Um, AJ Styles has signed a uh, three to four year extension. Uh, or an, a new deal. His new his current deal was up uh, in the begin either the middle of the spring, the beginning of summer this year. So um, WWE he locks in for a three the four year deal with a uh, what's rumored to be from Fightful.com uh, over three million dollars per year. So good for him for getting that money. Um, but also, you know, AJ has been very open in saying he wants to finish his wrestling career in WWE. And then he wants to be part of WWE after his wrestling career. So, um, look, I still think at 44 years old, AJ Styles is probably, other than Brock Lesnar, the number one worker in the world. I really do believe that. And you're going to see that, I think, uh, if he if we do get him versus Edge, you know, you're going to see just how damn good AJ Styles is. I mean, as great as Edge is, AJ Styles is going to make him look like a billion dollars. Um and, I, and I'm really looking forward to that because I'm, I'm a huge AJ Styles guy. Um, I didn't really watch too much TNA growing up, but when I was, I only watched AJ and Sting. So AJ was just always somebody that a lot of wrestling fans, like he was that, 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 and I don't want to say indie darling for 10 years, but he was like that guy that you always said, man, I would love to see him in the big time. I really would. Um, but yeah, uh, really looking forward to that. So a lot of wrestling news since we last recorded a podcast last week. So um, stupid. He should have just he should have just went to AEW, have creative freedom, do a match against Punk with no build on free TV, which would be the slowest paced match ever. Because let's all not lie, Punk has lost about five steps because he hasn't wrestled in seven years. Let's stop kidding ourselves and thinking he's still great when literally anyone who's in the ring. With, 
with is carrying his ass. Agreed. Um, and then, you know, fade away in obscurity and facing Sunny Kiss on Dark. Uh, yep. And putting hey, over... Anyone, hey, has anyone seen Miro? Can we put his face on the milk carton? Because haven't seen that guy since he lost the TNT title to Sammy Guevara's first reign. <clears throat> Anybody know where Miro is? It's true. Nope. It's truly amazing. Um, okay, so... Here we go. WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania X7, April 1st, 2001 from Houston, Texas uh, in the uh, Reliant Astrodome. So let's take you to the year prior. Uh, 824,000 buys at WrestleMania 16 or what they called WrestleMania 2000. Uh, 18,000 people paid a live gate um, of over uh, $1.3 million uh, with a... Um, uh, a $277,000 at the merch table. So let's completely dwarf 2000 with this one. Um, 67,925 people paid a live gate of $3.55 million. And the WWF grabbed another $1.1 million in merchandise. Um, so <laughs> uh, not bad at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, going from 2000 to 2001, um, you know, 2001 also brought Stone Cold Steve Austin back. So 2000 was basically the year of the rock uh, and triple H uh, where 2001 was the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. In um, 2002, WrestleMania 18, which will we, we will probably cover um, either next week or the week after uh, from Toronto and the Sky Dome. That was a 68,000 people, so about a 1,000 more, a little less than a 1,000 more people uh, with a live gate of just under $4 million. So hmm. in 2002, that's a lot of money for pro wrestling. Um, a little bit of money there, a little, ch- little, little, little chunk of change. A little, a little. Um, it, so just absolutely uh, spectacular. Uh, just to kind of show you guys where the money was going, you know, that was WrestleMania 17, 18. You know, you fast forward to like WrestleMania 23 and Ford Field in Detroit. You know, that gate was just under $5.5 million um, at 74,000 people. So um, it just shows you, uh, you know, 2001, 2002 really started the trend of the mega, mega buy rates that WrestleMania was just going to be bringing in. Um, so let's get right into it. Is this the best WrestleMania ever? Maybe is it the best pay per view of all time? Maybe let's let's get into it. Uh, this event was historical for so many reasons. It was a dome show at Houston's Reliant Astrodome, and it was also you know over four hours long. Um, you know, from this point on, all the WrestleManias were at least four hours at length. Um, so you know they were you know mostly better shows though, so that's even better. Uh, it seemed like at this point. WrestleMania 17, 18, 19, 20, they just, it almost felt like one just kept topping the other, uh, which, you know, was just what you want in wrestling, especially what you want at WrestleMania. Um, So also six titles were on the line here, which is probably a record if I wanted to look it up. Um, But um, obviously we said before they called this WrestleMania X7, you know, I've always just said WrestleMania 17, but, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, we got the video package showcasing past WrestleMania events. Uh, good stuff with, you know, Freddie Blassie welcoming us to the showcase of the Immortals. And then the greatest song 
ever for a WrestleMania was My Way by Limp Biscuit started playing, showing the huge crowd a massive fire uh, a pyro display. Um, so just a, a quick change here that people probably were surprised about if they haven't if they hadn't watched wrestling in a while, but they decided to turn on WrestleMania 17. It was Jr. and Paul Heyman, not your normal Jr. and the King. Uh, Lawler was gone for most of 2001, along with his wife, the cat. Well, one of his wives, the cat. Um, he came back later in that year. Uh, so when they fired the cat, uh, which was his wife, like I said, at the time, Jerry Lawler basically said, look, if you fire my wife, then I'm leaving. And that's what happened. So, you know, Vince called his bluff and here we are. Uh, Heyman said it was it was his first time being at WrestleMania, so he was super excited. And, you know, I think uh, you and I have talked about this before, um, George, that I loved the combination of JR and Heyman. I just felt like there were times during this pay-per-view where they legitimately on the air did not like each other. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they had they had such a great, like, back and forth, like, them being excited for each match, like, definitely helped me get excited for each match you know yeah you know paul hyping up a big spot you know it's you know we, yeah. we all know he's seen bigger but you know he's my i mean he paul Heyman's always been money on the mic oh yeah and, you know just stick a microphone in his face and he's making and he's gonna just reel it in but by the way kudos to brock lesnar monday night on raw for going toe-to-toe in a promo with paul Heyman. so for those of you who think that, you know, Brock Lesnar isn't good at certain things, let me just remind you all that Brock Lesnar can do whatever he wants as good as he wants it. That's how great Brock Lesnar is. Um, if you want to see how good Brock could be on promos that you, if you're just watching current wrestling, go on Peacock, find 2002, 2003 Brock Lesnar, and you tell me that you're not seeing almost the same kind of guy, but just more reformed. And a much more mature, much better Brock Lesnar today than 20 years ago, which is absolutely insane to think about. Um, but Brock, Brock is, yeah, he's untouchable right now. He is legitimately untouchable. This man is just, I mean, who and who'd have thought? Like, I mean, I I hated him when he came back because you know he was just showing up. You know, he went a belt, he disappeared. The belts off TV, mm-hmm. but like this new Brock. I'm just like, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I agree. All right. This is amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Agree. Um, so we start things off with a really good match. I feel intercontinental title, Chris Jericho versus William Regal. Uh, Jericho got the win at seven Oh eight. Uh, Jericho got a huge baby face pop for this match. Um, Regal was a big heel. Also the commissioner at the time, uh, they aired a video package of the feud. It was memorable mainly because I remember Jericho pissing in Regal's tea without William Regal knowing. So if it's poop or urine, it's definitely a Vince uh, produced segment. Such a good shit, pal. <laughs> it is, literally. Um, sure. So overall, I gave this match, um, you know, just about two and a half stars. I thought it was a real solid match. They got, I don't think they had enough time. They got uh, about little over seven minutes. Um, Yet still, you saw a really good amount of psychology and drama. Uh, the finish came out of nowhere a little bit. It was rare that Jericho won matches with Lion Salt, but at this show and the previous WrestleMania, that's really what happened. Um, 
your thoughts on this opening match? To me, it looked like um, it looked like they kind of messed up the finish a bit. That's what I thought. Because Jericho hit the bulldog and Regal, and then kind of looked down and realized, "Shit, I can't hit the I can't hit the lion salt from anywhere." Yep. So he picked up Regal again, body slammed him, and then hit the lion salt for the win. So I was like, "Uh, I think they kind of messed up that ending a little bit." Yeah, I think so. But there was one thing um, about this about this feud that really stands out to me, and it was the night that Jericho showed up on Raw dressed as Doink to attack um, to attack William Regal. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So hmm. part of the build for this with Jericho messing around with Regal was for one reason or another, and I can't remember what the actual context of it was, but Jericho dressed up as Doink and interfered in a match and then, you know, and then pulled off the wig and revealed that it was Chris Jericho. Now, hmm. What's interesting about that was, I don't know, have you read any of Chris Jericho's books? I have, yes. Okay, did you read the how to, the, the second one? How to mm-hmm. become a world champion in 1,372 steps? Yes. Well, do you remember Jericho talking about that? I, I do, actually. It's funny because in my research he, before this. Yeah, um, where, he, uh, where he said that that was the night that Shawn Michaels got fired from the WF because he passed out in Vince's office. That's correct. Because 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 hbk got in his face and was like jericho why are they making you doink now yeah yeah and he's like no it's just for like a bit and then he's just like can't believe they're making you doink like he was <laughs> he was and clearly as, messed up <laughs> yeah as, as jericho referred to it in his book and i'm quoting i felt like abbott and costello except instead of who's on first the routine was who's on drugs and it wasn't me <laughs> uh, i mean that's that's accurate um that's that's great but um so a car pulls up to the arena that that said wcw1 on the license plate it was shane mcmahon walking into the arena so again for some context here everybody six days prior to wrestlemania 17 occurring we we had one of the most iconic wrestling shows of all time uh which was vince mcmahon going doing a simulcast with wcw monday nitro announcing that he has purchased his competition um obviously the contract did say mcmahon but it read shane mcmahon um for the story i mean this officially kind of started the quote-unquote invasion in a way um but um you know it, it was very kind of underwhelming when WrestleMania 17 comes and they show some of the WCW talent. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say talent that, that was in the to representation of WCW. It was Mark Jindrak, Sean Stasiak, Lance Storm, and Hugh Morris. Hugh Morris. Above average Mike Sanders, who never showed up on WWE TV. Nope. So Stacey was dressed in her Miss Hancock attire. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, and also, when that limo pulled up, it is plain as day that Shane did not get out of that limo, and he just walked in behind it. I, I, <laughs> I, and again, to add more context to why the certain wrestlers were featured that were, because at this time, AOL Time Warner um, still were paying out mega money to Hogan, Nash, 
Hall, Sting, Rey Mysterio. Uh, these guys were sitting at home getting paid to do nothing. And guess what? I would have done the same exact thing. Um, so, the, the, you know, there wasn't really a chance or even an opportunity for the WWF in a week to be able to assume all of those big money deals and be like, hey, you want to show up at WrestleMania on Sunday? Um, so a lot, a lot of things were going on, a lot of moving parts uh, six days before the WWF's biggest event in their history um, with, you know, WCW being acquired that previous Monday. So pretty crazy just to give a little context as to why. We're at where we are. Uh, second match, uh, Brett APA and Taz with Jacqueline versus Val Venus, Bull Buchanan, and the Godfather, or the, I'm sorry, the Good Father with Steven Richards. Um, the winners, as you would expect, APA and Taz. Um, I mean, I, I gave this a one star. It was a basic tag match that was pretty good at length. And I'm just going to say this, and, and, I know I get shredded a lot online because I know ECW has its fans, obviously not enough fans because they went out of business. But uh, I, I, since the days of ECW thought Taz was just a bad worker. I really did. And in this match, he was so sloppy and I couldn't believe nobody got hurt. Um, I don't know if you saw what I saw, but Taz was just, I don't know if he was unprepared, if it was too big of a moment for him. Um, I know he retired shortly after this event. But nonetheless, even when he got into the WWF, he was just a very underwhelming performer. Um, what do you think that was? You think it was a little fish in a, in a, in a small pond in ECW, and now he's swimming with sharks? Uh, what was, what's your thoughts? Possibly. I mean, it's being in ECW, and I'm going to – I'm going to correct you a little bit. I don't really want to because (laughs) out of respect. It's okay. The lack of of fans isn't what killed ECW. The lack of a TV deal is what killed ECW. Yeah, it did. That that hurt it. Because they had that deal with TNN and they kept getting jerked around Mm -hmm. every time they tried to air. So you never knew when a hardcore TV was even on to watch it. So it wasn't a lack of fans. It Mm -hmm. it, It was poor management and a lack of a TV deal. So I agree. Yeah. Why failed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Taz is now in the WWE. He's working with, um, for lack of a better term, he's working with the best of the best. In ECW, you didn't really have the level of workers Mm-mm. that WWE had. So you know, even at best, he's working. Even if you look at some of the, like, the better workers he was working with mm-hmm. in ECW, what do you got? Bam Bam. RVD, Lance, mm-hmm. um, Shane Douglas. I know you don't agree, but I like Shane Douglas. Um, but like <laughs> he's working. I mean, like there was a handful of guys who were good workers. Yes. And then everybody else was just kind of like thrown around. Like they, a lot of these guys didn't get better until they went to WSW or if they went to WWE or if they went to WF. Like like those guys all got better when they went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you can and you can even see it, and you can see it in a lot of the guys, like a guy like Rhino, who was basically in ECW was just goring people through tables and beat the shit out of Spike Dudley on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the second he came over to WWF and kind of like honed his skills a bit, like he became a damn good worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing, a lot of those guys. Tajiri is another one who. Oh yeah, he was always good with this. I mean, he came over. He was a, if you excuse the pun, he was a buzzsaw when he came in. So I mean, he was yeah, you know. 
a lot yeah. of these guys when they came over improved some guys did not taz unfortunately probably one of those guys but he's also a lot older probably towards the end of his career mm-hmm. mike awesome definitely was one of those guys who did not improve when he left oh no no and i don't mean as disrespect to mike awesome um but i mean as in he did not pick up from everybody else mm-hmm. probably because he left and went to wcw instead so, <laughs> oh geez um nobody's teaching anybody anything w that was all just that was just a bunch of people fighting for a spot on tv yeah um at this time this is what 2001 um he uh taz was 34 years old so um yeah i i know it's different man god 34 years old like again time is so funny today in wrestling 34 you're like a rookie you're just getting started if you make it to WWE. Um, I mean, I'll put to, uh, speaking of like time and just kind of because I texted you guys. It is way off topic. I texted you guys the other day when I was watching TV and the video for the Rolling Stones start me up. Came, yeah. Mm-hmm. Came up on. And I kind of timed, I, I, I figured out like when the video was filmed, which is about 81, 82, because that's when that album came out. Mm-hmm. So I figured I promotion it around that time. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were 38. So oh my they God. were a year older than I am right now. And, and they looked, looked 60. Like yeah. <laughs> like they looked elderly in that video when they really were, you know, they were younger than 40. I know. Charlie Watts was the only guy, I think, I think Charlie Watts and Bo Wyman were the only guys who were at 40 or over 40. I think Bo Wyman was over 40. Charlie Watts was right at 40. Mm-hmm. But they looked just ancient <laughs> yeah but nah, I'm, looking at, I'm, 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 I'm like i'm i'm gonna be 37 in a month mm-hmm. and i don't look nearly as bad as those guys did i no. mean granted they also lived on the road and mm-hmm. ate drugs, so. yes their diet was um uh whiskey and uh drugs so um not you know not the, not the greatest lifestyle to you know have a beautiful face and drugs so <laughs> yeah, nope. yeah. <laughs> um all right so backstage trish stratus was wheeling around linda mcmahon in her wheelchair wheelchair which she was in because vince was drugging her what a guy um stephanie Mc- yes stephanie mcmahon showed up she didn't like that trish was in the picture and told her to crush ice for the party after the show then she told her yep yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it, because the crush is better that's correct. Then she told her mom that she'd see her out there. Um, and we'll get to that, obviously, match a little later. Next match was actually one that I was actually surprised wasn't that bad. A hardcore title match, Raven versus Kane versus The Big Show. Um, the winner, uh, Kane, at 9 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, I gave this two and a half stars. I thought it was a solid hardcore match that got around 10 minutes, which bothers me because Jericho and William Regal got seven. Um each guy had their nice moments, I felt, in control, and the fight backstage was fun because it was different than anything else on the entire card. Um, the title didn't matter at all to me uh, at this point in history, um, in its history. I looked it up, and, and I saw that Kane had a reign that lasted two weeks. That was actually con- uh, considered very lengthy for that title. Um, so not bad. Uh, your thoughts on, um, on this match? I really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, me I've too. Always, the, the hardcore matches from the Attitude Era were always just were always uh, must see. Yeah, you never knew what was going to happen. You know, there was 
um, a couple of years prior, a hardcore town match. I ended up in the uh, ended up in the Mississippi River with mm-hmm. the house Snow and Hardcore Holly. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah, and this went all over backstage. Obviously, the highlight was Kane, who had a part of a hose wrapped around Raven's neck and threw him through a window, which mm-hmm. was a hell of a spot. And then Big Show just kind of lumbered up out of nowhere and threw Kane into a door and then crushed him through the door. Yeah, no, and then yep. Kane and Big Show going through a gimmicked wall yep but yeah but it looked good and then raven was destroying the show because he because his golf cart ran off the track oh my gosh yes almost uh almost not the power out, out the main power cable but it was it was fun it was it was it was it was a hell of fun match it really was i agree um and the locker room kurt angle was watching tape of chris benoit making him tap on the build of the show angle was real mad about it uh edge and christian tried to talk to him um, but obviously it didn't work out too well. I love the chemistry between Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle in this era. Um, but in this case, oh, yes. But in this case, uh, it was about, you know, Angle being angry due to Benoit forcing him to tap out. Um, next match is shockingly a very good one. And it's all because of Eddie Guerrero. Um, European title match test versus Eddie Guerrero with Perry Saturn. Winner and new European champion, Eddie Guerrero. I gave this three stars. They put Eddie in there because he was an elite worker and, you know, they wanted to see if he could pull a good match out of like this young, big stud, like test, um, you know, and, and I thought this was test best match of his career. Um, Eddie Guerrero sold like a champ for him and made test look great. Um, obviously to me, I would have liked to have seen Eddie with a better opponent. So we could have had a classic match, because he was on top of his game here. Um, this was before he became way too jacked up on the gas. And, you know, way before, um, you know, his demons probably got a, a complete hold of him. But, you know, it would have been nice to me, George, if they would have ditched this match and the opener and replaced this with Eddie versus Jericho for 15 minutes. I oh. felt that would have been something that we'd be talking about today. Agreed. And yeah. this also and this also before Eddie got fired from the company. That's correct. Because yep. Eddie was not part of the invasion era. Now, had Eddie been a part of the invasion era, that might have been a different story. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a great point. Great point. Yeah. That's um, why you're on here. Yeah. Um <laughs> because because I mean the one thing with the invasion era was the was the lack of star power. Eddie would have brought some star power. And oh, for sure. Been, and he would have been uh he would have been a top tier uh main eventer probably mm-hmm. early in where had he had he not um gotten released but 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 this is a hell of a good match mm-hmm. i've always kind of liked test i always thought test was pretty solid in a ring mm-hmm. um, he didn't seem to be sloppy uh his big boot is still one of the nastiest big boots i've ever seen oh man it was it was perfect that's i mean it was it was always well timed and it looked like it was just kicking heads off and they were just going yeah. 50 yards if the clothesline from hell was Test's big boot, they'd be identical. Um, <laughs> backstage, uh, Michael Cole talked to Mick Foley. Foley is the referee for the Shane McMahon versus Vince match. He said he'd call it right down the middle, even though Vince fired fired him as a commissioner. Um, they showed Steve Austin arriving at the building, and you could hear the crowd go absolutely bonkers at the mere sight of Steve Austin on the screen. Um Kurt Angle made his entrance. He was a heel, obviously, and was <clears throat> the world champion from October to February until he lost the title to The Rock um, 
at No Way Out. Great match, by the way, for those of you if you want to go check that match out. Um, he needed a WrestleMania opponent, so they rushed Chris Benoit to challenge him, and, and you know the result was this match. Um, it was you know time for the sh- to, you know to show you know how great these guys are. You know, pre-match Angle cut a, a promo ripping on Texas. Funny, we're seeing that in modern day Raw. Um, the best part was when he said, lose the freaking cowboy hats. You're not seven years old anymore, please. <laughs> uh, Benoit got a decent reaction coming out. Uh, I was excited for this match at the time because, one, I was, you know, admittedly, I mean, I was a huge Chris Benoit fan growing up. I always thought, like, he was, like, the most real worker I had seen, and I remember watching him in like WCW. And then when he came to WWF, I was excited because I felt like he was the kind of guy that you needed in a WWF at the time. I thought he was a just a badass worker. And look, I know what he did later on in life. Obviously, kind of, you know, changes your opinion on everything about Chris Benoit. But if I had, if I have to just say, I personally still believe. Chris Benoit is one of the 10 greatest workers in ring of all time. Easily. Um, I've never seen him have a bad match. And he was always just so, I mean, they called him the rabid Wolverine. And in the ring, that's what he was. And, you know, out of the ring, he was a lot more than that. But in ring, he, you know, to me, he was almost untouchable as a worker. Um, I just loved him as a worker. Uh, when it comes when it comes to technical prowess and technical wrestlers, he's easily top three. Um, I I personally put him at two behind Angle. I think Angle's I think Angle is the best technical worker uh, in wrestling history. I put Benoit at two, maybe Brett at three. I unfortunately put Brett at three. Depends if I'm in Bahrain or not. Um, I know where, wherever I put him, but <laughs> despite what happened in 2007 whether you choose to believe it or whether you choose to believe it or anything mm-hmm. else it does not take away from anything that that man did between the ropes mm-hmm. Benoit, and then i just and i just said it with eddie and now i'm gonna say it with, with benoit also because benoit was out for the invasion era also yep you have eddie and you have benoit that's a that's probably a different story altogether i agree um but it's 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 a damn shame you know, everything that happened to Chris Benoit, you know, everything that happened to Chris Benoit. And I was, I had just turned 16 the week, the week before the show, that Sunday. So I was screwed out of that WrestleMania because they had to do it a week ahead. Mm-hmm. They had to do it in April. Could have been on my birthday, but fuck, fuck me then, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was 16. I had literally no idea, like, I didn't have the appreciation for technical wrestling that I have now. Mm-hmm. Like if, yeah. And, and, and rewatching this match, I'm just like, God damn, this match was amazing. Yep. Like, like this is easily like for me, I give it a four. I give it four. Yep. That's what I did. I give it four solid stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't typically do. I don't really think too much in the star ratings. Cause then it makes me think like a Meltzer. Um, yeah. But sometimes you kind of have to just give a rating. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this was amazing because most of the people watching it had no idea what they're watching or what, or like the pre. Well, we lost George a little bit here. Um, we lost you. Um, it's okay. Um, from what I was wanted to say is, I felt like this match, and I give it four stars, just like George did. 
I feel like this was the match, like this was like the 2000s version of, uh, you know, Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10 and Steamboat and Macho at WrestleMania 3. Um, like this is what, to me, this this match was all about. Um, it was just straight up wrestling. Um, y- oh, yeah. You know, except for that brawl out on the floor. I love how they told the story from the opening minutes of, you know, freestyle wrestling to the point where Angle decked Benoit because he was so damn frustrated. And that's a perfect way to portray a heel in a and match. They, and, they, and, they, and they sold that, too, because when, when Angle decked Benoit, like him and Freak, he's like, Angle decked Benoit. He, yep. punched, he punched him right in the face. Like, mm-hmm. it, it went, like, it, it was such, it was such, like, like poetry in the right watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, the finish was done the way it was to build the rematches at Backlash and Judgment Day, though. You know, so in hindsight, the finish made a little bit more sense. But if you want to see the best, you know, Angle Benoit match, please seek out their 2003 Royal Rumble match because that is a, a oh six God. star. It's a six star. Yeah, a six star wrestling match. If you, you know, anything, you know, you want to watch just two guys that are absolutely pros at their craft just watch their 2003 Roy rumble match please i, I just i if there's anything you watch stars if it's in the tokyo dome absolutely um if it's in a t- it's in WWE. <laughs> exactly um backstage regal was shown walking down the hallway he made uh, his way to his office where kamala was standing there on his table um great stuff by kamala which was you know their way of promoting the gimmick battle royal which was coming up um so that was pretty funny um back you know backstage kevin kelly catches up with kurt angle angle said he didn't respect benoit uh chris attacked him from behind and put kurt the crossface which caused kurt to tap out again and of course this again leads to their their rematches at the next two pay-per-views you know long-term storytelling um remember remember after benoit died it almost seemed taboo for anybody to use the crossface yeah, I think Shawn Michaels was the first one to use it. Shawn Michaels was the first one to do it. Everyone was just like, oh. <laughs> like everyone gasped at the same time. Like, he's doing the crossface. Leave like, it. I do what I want. <laughs> yeah, leave it to the company's biggest jackass of all time to be the first guy to use a murderer's finisher. <laughs> Shawn's like, this is going to be great. This Triple is going to be nah, nah. And the Triple H fight, everyone was like, nah, do it, do it. Come on, do it, do it. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> Damn it, Shawn, don't do it. I'm doing it. Um, the next match is the women's title, Ivory versus China. Ivory wins a dud squash match at two minutes and 30 seconds. Um, China dud squash match. Ivory didn't win this match. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, nobody, nobody won this match. No. Everyone was a loser. No. Um, it's wild, though, if you guys think about this. China wrestled her last match in WWE like – uh, one month later in May at Judgment Day, and then she was out of the company for good. Like that is incredible to I think about this that. Was her last match, I didn't realize she had a match at Judgment. Yeah, Day. she wrestled uh, at Judgment Day in May. Nah, not like you'd notice. Yeah, exactly. Um, backstage, Vince told Trish to bring Le- uh, Linda down when Shane was immobile. Cole showed uh, showed up to ask Vince about Shane buying WCW. And Vince guaranteed that something shocking would happen later in the night. Very good foreshadowing there, because when Vince says stuff like that, you just never think that it's going to be, you know, what we got. But that's just phenomenal foreshadowing from the booker um, being Vince. So that's awesome. 
Real quick, Chris, I want to go back to this women's uh, debacle. Yeah. Um, I not only was it just a bad match in general because China no sold the shit out of literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there wasn't a single thing about this match I liked even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even rate it a dud. Like I almost want to give it minus stars. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Like, like China, you know, she came out and she did like her thing with the gun, which is always good. But then she like did some jog down to the ring for one reason or another. I don't know. And yeah. I mean, and, and, and Ivory sold for like a champ and you got to give all the credit in the world to Ivory for the ultimate pro for, yeah. For basically putting on, you know, she's like, you know what? I'm going to be a, 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 a consummate professional mm-hmm. and put this pain in the ass over. This could have been a decent match. This should have been yeah. a match concerning the build and everything that happened, but you know, with, with right to censor in China, this should have been at least like a six minute, you know, quick back and forth. This did not need to be a two and a half minute squash to make China look good. China didn't first of all, China did not look good in this match at all. I'm not no. trying to be but I'm sitting there, I'm watching, and I'm watching the match. I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, are China's, like, clothes, like, hanging off of her? You think she was like, hurt? I don't know. But, like, I felt like it any time I'm looking, I feel like her pants are going to fall down. <laughs> like, that wouldn't be the worst they, thing. Because they didn't look, like, every time you saw China, you know, she wore something, like, form-fitting. But, like, this just looked, it looked loose. It's like when you see Goldberg wrestling in shorts. Yeah. Or, it's, but, like, I'm sitting there watching this match, and, like, China's looking directly into the hard camera at mm-hmm. certain time. I'm just like, this match, it just felt like it was just a pure, it felt like it was just a pure burial of ivory. It's like China knew she was on her way out and just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, next match, we have a big one here, man. Street fight, Vince McMahon with Stephanie versus Shane McMahon. Mick Foley as the guest referee. Shane McMahon gets the win at just over 14 minutes. I also gave this one four stars. Um, Excellent, excellent work to me by everybody involved in this match. It had so much heat. The crowd responded to it every second of the way. The booking I thought was beautiful with Shane just annihilating Vince uh, before the awesome bump off the top rope on the Spanish announce table that led to, you know, Vince controlling the match. You know, following that came Trish turning on Vince, a cat fight between Trish and Steph, Vince's attack on Foley, I guess you can call it that. Vince putting Linda in the ring for the conclusion with Linda getting her revenge. Um, dude, other than other than maybe Austin's entrance, was there a bigger pop of that night other when from um when Linda stood up out of the wheelchair? When she stood up like the crowd fucking erupted. Yeah. Like I remember, and I remember watching the match because I watched this uh, last Friday when I was off and I, I watched the whole paper. That was four hours long. I'm like, good Lord, this is my entire day. <laughs> um, well, I'm saying I'm, I'm watching a match. And when Linda stood up, like I felt like the hair on my arm stand up. Yeah. Like, like I was, I was reinvested in this, in, in, in this paper, into this match. Cause I love this storyline. It was just mm-hmm. fantastic. So good. But, Vince, you know, screaming at Linda, I want a divorce. Vince also screaming at Shane, you know, I will never forgive your mother for giving birth to you. <laughs> I, good shit. Can't yeah. even blame this on Russo. That's all McMahon. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I thought it was great. You know, the, uh, you know, Shane McMahon doing the coast to coast, um, which by the way, is just an awful, awful back bump for the guy doing the coast to coast. Um, the guy receiving it does nothing. I mean, I mean, every time I seen like either RVD do that bump, or if I saw Shane McMahon do that bump, I said, my God, I mean, I can't even imagine what their back felt like the next day. Um, Cause it's just a, an awful bump to take. Cause you like, remember, you really can't land it. Well, remember a couple of years ago when Shane did it and Roman Reigns speared him out of the air. Oh my God. It, yeah. And it looked so bad that Randy Orton jumped down at ringside and had to tell Shane's kids that he was okay. He's like, no, yes, no, it's fine. He's okay. I used to love, <laughs> I used to love when RVD did it. That one was called mm-hmm. the Terminator. Yep. Because, um, because Bill Alfonso was his manager at the time, and Alf and and Fonzo would like he would lay backwards over the, like he would flip upside down over the top rope and hold the chair up in front of the opponent's face. And when RVD did it, he looked like he had another he could go another twenty feet hitting that move. Mm-hmm. And if just when you guys think that this pay per view couldn't get any bigger, here comes TLC. Um. Tag match for the titles, Dudley's, Edge and Christian, the Hardys. Edge and Christian win at 15-44 in one of the biggest car wrecks, amazing car wrecks you'll ever see in your entire life. Uh, Ten stars. I give this ten stars. You want words to describe this match? Sick, painful, disgusting, amazing, athletic, insane, awesome, all wrapped into one big bubble. Um, Legendary. I I don't even care that this concept was done before. It's not easy to partake in these matches. All of these guys have gone on record and said that these matches have definitely shortened their careers. I mean, Edge, it probably took a few years off of his off of his career. Took 10. <laughs> it took 10. Um, yeah, this was the third one in the series, but they found ways to make it so different here. I thought the additions of Rhino, Spike, and Lita added something really good to the match. Lita got massive pops every time she was in the ring or near it. Um, the spots in this match were once again awesome as all six guys, you know, plus the other three busted their asses. Um, you know, as usual, Jeff Hardy took the most insane bumps with the Swanton onto two people, um, as well as one of the greatest and most shown and repeated bumps that we have seen in the history and the annals of WWE television edge spearing Jeff Hardy from the top of a ladder as edge was holding on to the two title belts swinging in the air. One of Jeff, I'm sorry, Jeff was holding on to the, to the titles literally quite frankly, one of the sickest bumps I've ever seen. And, you know, honestly, if Jeff doesn't land that, the way he did, we're probably talking about Jeff Hardy in a wheelchair. Um, how he would, you know, it's it's incredible to me that these guys were able to leave this match without any major injuries. Um, even that huge, even that huge bump that Bubba and Matt took when they went yes. off the ladder, yep, to the outside through four tables, mm-hmm. like stacked up because. They missed that first table. <laughs> yeah, they did. They missed it. Um, oh, to be fair, this won't be the last time Matt Hardy misses while being put through a table. Looking yeah, I know. Um, looking at this match, and 
just a great way. You know, I've probably watched this match 30 times in my life, as I'm sure you have too. What else can be said, you think, George, about the chemistry? You know, it's hard enough to do a tag team match and have chemistry with another team. But this is three tag teams. This is six men who were able to put on consistently the most memorable matches in wrestling history. I mean, what else can be said about the, the, the insane, innate chemistry that these six guys had with each other? Chris, you and I have watched, um, not together, but separately, thousands of hours of wrestling. Yep. Um, it's hard enough getting two, it's hard enough getting two people in just a one-on-one match to have chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it all the time where, you know, two guys just don't mesh well, you know, they're, they're, they're just not hitting their marks. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in professional companies nowadays. <laughs> um, but Professional. Yeah. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another, another shot across the bow for no reason, but, but, but that's what my point is, is you have a hard enough time getting two guys who have perfect chemistry together. They found six, mm-hmm. not even six. Rhino, Spike, and Lita also. So nine. There are nine people in this match that have great chemistry with each other. Nobody got, I mean, well, obviously years got taken off the cruise, but nobody got severely hurt in that match. Mm-hmm. Nobody was stretchered out. Everybody came out of that match essentially unscathed, obviously, as the years go on and more of that stuff, things happen. Mm-hmm. But for that time, I mean, everybody came out of that safe. Yeah. Incredible to think about that, man. Um, I mean, even little Spike Dudley, 150 pounds soaking wet with a brick in his pants. Um, still came out of that. And I... I popped when when Spike came out, hit the Dudley dog on edge, and then did it to Christian on the outside of the ring. I had to rewind it because I thought Christian was in the ring, and somehow they went through the ropes. I'm like, wait a minute, what? I was like, <laughs> oh, Christian was on the apron, and he yep. Spike from inside the ring to the outside. And <laughs> look great. Yep. I mean, yeah, you're right. Was, um, at, at thirty at thirty six, I was in awe watching mm-hmm. that match forgot just how good it was i also um, fl- i also hold the flag for tlc3 i think tlc3 is an underrated gem but uh tlc is a, is a phenomenal they, underrated uh but, match but they don't um they don't air that one that often because of the other team that's in that match mm-hmm. um and you know um this is one of those matches man that you'll just never forget you know when people say wrestlemania 17 you always hear the same thing. You hear Austin, Austin, uh, Rock, TLC. And it's just, it's always going to be that way. Um, next match is not really one we had to spend a lot of time on. It was the the Let Me Up match, the gimmick battle royal. Um, the winner, because he wasn't physically able to be thrown over the top rope from a health standpoint, was the Iron Sheik. So Sheiky Baby wins because... From a health standpoint, he physically was not able to get over the top rope. Um, yeah. But let's book him in it anyway. Um, hey, it's because because Sarge got his payback when he put him in the Cobra Club. He did. Yes. Um, moving but, uh, on. Go ahead. No, 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 no. We're so we're going to spend three hours on this match. <laughs> but, 
one of the best things about this match was the fact that Heenan and uh, and Mean Gene called it called the action. Yes. And when 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 Tugboat came out and an earthquake, they're like, "Oh, are these guys going to team up?" And they clearly did not. At all. I know, no. And earthquake was eliminated. Mean Gene slipped, and he's like, "Oh, John Tenta." I mean, Earthquake was eliminated. <laughs> Gosh, it was just, it was so good to hear them too, man. Bobby the Brain was still amazing at that point. Oh, um, um, so the next match, man, is just a badass of a match. And one of my favorites of all time, um, you know, we get the video package of The Undertaker and Triple H. Hunter said he's beaten everybody. Undertaker shows up on his motorcycle since he was uh, in the, those big evil days. Um, they did a story where Undertaker was trying to attack Triple H in the backstage area with various weapons. Stephanie had a restraining order against Undertaker, so Kane went after her for him. Undertaker wanted the match. Hunter also destroyed an Undertaker motorcycle with a sledgehammer um, and threw it off the stage so the match was set. Uh, getting to the match... Triple H had one of the greatest entrances of all time here with the motorhead playing him in with the game. Um, this you know, is it, not my favorite Lemmy. He doesn't have his beard. Yeah, it's yeah, this he, is uh this was this was clean shaven mutton chop Lemmy. I wasn't I wasn't digging this. I'm like, no, 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 no. where's the must where, where's the Lemmy beard? That's that's what I'm that's I know um, the, the, you know, the entrance took about four minutes because, you know, Motorhead played the entire song. Um, Undertaker got a thunderous ovation uh, when Limp Bizkit's rolling hit and he, and he literally rode that mother effing motorcycle down that ramp and he gunned it. Um, you know, Undertaker versus Triple H here. The winner was Undertaker at just over 18 minutes. I give this four stars because one, two of the greatest workers of all time, two of the most incredible entrances of all time. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I can't ignore the longest ref bump in wrestling history though. I mean, the referee <laughs> was out for about 12 minutes. Um, he, he was napping. Yeah, he was napping. Um, you know, they, they, it, technically speaking, the ref probably should have DQ'd the undertaker, but you know, they could have done a better job explaining that from an actual wrestling aspect, I enjoyed this immensely. Uh, Triple H was a bumping machine, man. Um, you know, there was a lot of awesome power wrestling sequences. You know, I liked the near falls at the end. Um, funny, you know, I didn't notice this until I watched the match again today. Triple H in this match didn't even hit a pedigree. Um, they oh, really, no. no, they really wanted to protect that move, which was fine by me. Um, it's a real shame, too, though, man, that Hunter tore his quad in May because he was on such a roll from the beginning of 2000 to right here um, that, you know, I can't even imagine what Triple H would have been doing if he never, you know, tore his quad. However, it did lead to one of the biggest comebacks of all time. Um, and as, you know, I've said numerous times on, on this podcast, the American Badass Undertaker is one of my favorites ever uh, of any character. To me, it humanized him. Uh, it, it showed people who he, Mark Calloway, probably really is in real life. Um, and the crowd just loved him. Loved him just as much as if he was a dead man. Um, plus, if he was a dead man at this time, that entrance would have been 15 minutes down that ramp. Um, but uh, I just thought this was a a, uh, a perfect match in my eyes from 
a pro wrestling standpoint, uh, when you include the entertainment aspect, the entrances, everything, uh, what was your thoughts on, on Taker and Triple H? Uh, quickest Undertaker entrance of all time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at WrestleMania. Um, stellar match, mm-hmm. uh, for, especially from a storytelling point of view. Um, I love the build. I specifically remember, and they, they showed it again in the package. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. How Undertaker got the match is because he he had Kane holding Stephanie up over his head on the top of a flight of stairs. He's like, I'm gonna drop her if you don't give me the match. <laughs> it's like it's like t- he's like, Undertaker can't do that. He's like, all right, Kane, bring Stephanie down here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> God. Um, and how he got the match, and then um, a, a couple of things I, I really like this match is when Taker picked him up for the last ride. And mm-hmm. Triple H grabbed the sledgehammer on the way up, and it, and it just bounced off of his head. Yeah. What I, you know? What I love most about Triple H, I think Triple H took the choke slam better than anybody of all time. You know, he would post it like when Undertaker would get Triple H, he would get real stiff, and his legs would bend a little bit mm-hmm. at the bottom, and he just made that look so devastating. Um, so you know, it's it's again, George said it ten five minutes ago. We've watched thousands on top of thousands of hours of wrestling to where, of course, Triple H posting on a choke slam is something that impresses me. <laughs> so it's the um, little things. Now, you said before, like, you wonder what Triple H would have done you now had he not torn his quad yeah. after this. Well, we had the invasion era. So, which begs the question, and I'll ask you, Chris mm-hmm. do you keep Triple H team WWF? Do you make him Team Alliance because he was in WCW? I make him Team Alliance because Triple H is the best heel in the business. So, so now you have Triple H on Team Alliance. Mm-hmm. Do you keep Austin on Team WWF? Yes, because that means you keep Austin babyface, and now you have the number one heel in the business now matching up against the number one babyface. But you also have Rock on Team WWF. That's okay. So that poses, I mean, so it, it, it poses some scenarios. It does, yeah. So, you know, what do you, you know, where do you go from there? And that being a whole thing. What if you turn the Undertaker heel? Because he was in WCW. I was actually always shocked that Big Show didn't get turned heel during all of this. Like, there's many face turns and heel turns as this fucker had. I know. Um, That's hilarious. I think, I think it's because he, legitimately hated his time in WSW. And yeah. he's like, they're like, hey, we'll put you on Team Alliance. And he's like, if you do, I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Um uh okay, here we go. This is why we are here. Um it is Rock Austin time, baby. And they were shown preparing for the match with Rock walking backstage while Austin was looking in the mirror. Ross was calling him the bionic redneck around this time. Um, and then we get the video package. Normally I don't, you know, talk about necessarily video packages, but this was arguably and not arguably fuck it. Like to me, this is the greatest video package in wrestling history. Hands goddamn down. Yeah. It, it, go ahead. This was pure perfection. Whoever, like whoever's in charge. Of it was David Sahadi. Yeah. There's no way he doesn't have a copy of this video package on like the very top shelf mm-hmm. 
of anything hands and he's like this right here yep. is my crowning achievement yep and um beautiful i know and and and, and i hate it, kid. <laughs> it, it exemplifies um what this match was about austin was coming back from being out a full year with the neck fusion surgery uh he returned in the fall of 2000 they weren't really in a story together. Austin won the Rumble in 2001, the greatest Rumble of all time. And then he had a feud with Triple H that led to a five-star match at No Way Out in 2001 that you should definitely also go out of your way to go see. That because the Rock... I know. Awesome yep. Yep. On that same pay-per-view, we've also told you to go watch The Rock versus Kurt Angle. Um, God. Just watch that pay-per-view. How about yeah, you just watch the whole pay-per-view? Just watch the whole freaking pay Yeah, just, just watch it. it. We would never get that again. I know. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You fast forward to see the last two matches at the end of the pay per view? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, have a soda. <laughs> there actually was a storyline with Austin's real life uh, wife at the time, Deborah, being appointed uh, the manager of Rock by Vince McMahon. Uh, it didn't need it, but I understand why they probably did it. Um, but after they realized it wasn't working, it was simply dumped about a week before the match. Um, then they did the, this interview with Jr. in the locker room where Austin had this crazy look in his eye. And he said, I need that title rock. I need that more than anything you could ever imagine. Um, this set up rock versus Austin for the WWF world title in a match. that saw two baby face wrestlers at the top tippy top of the business on the biggest stage in the company's history. Um, you know, the, you're not. You're not gonna try to tell me that this is two baby face wrestlers at the top of their game, because watching that video package, rewatching the video package mm-hmm. now, it's clear that Austin was gonna turn here. I agree. Uh, looking at it now, you just looking felt at it. it. Now you're like, this is exactly what it's leading to. The minute when when Austin was sitting there in, the, in that same interview with Jr. And he's, he's looking at Rocky. He's like, no, this isn't about Deborah. It's like, what's about is a WF title. You have it. And I want it. Like, mm-hmm. he's, you know, it's like right there in that, in, in that promo, that was the turn. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Stone Cold gets his first, gets, you know, makes his entrance first to the loudest ovation I have ever heard on any wrestling show ever. Absolutely ever. Um, you know, when he hit, you know, another thing that I, I, I like paying attention to back in this era that we don't get today were the flashbulbs of cameras. If you guys go back now and you watch Austin hit those four poles, it was like it was the fucking Super Bowl when he would go up and, and, and do his pose in the corner. The, the flashbulbs were just, you know, if, if, if I had eye issues, it was because of these light, these light bulbs flashing while watching this it was stunning you know no pun intended it was stunning um it's almost it's almost amazing that wrestling fans our age don't have epilepsy yeah i know i know just from stone cold um yeah. <laughs> um you know the rock made his entrance with the title uh he had a huge a huge ovation as well but you're in houston texas you're not going to get a bigger pop no matter what you do um than stone cold steve austin uh, so here we go. No DQ match for the World Wrestling Federation title. Uh, the winner and new WWF World Champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Um, man, this match is just something else. Um, um, you know, to me, George, this is probably the best WrestleMania main event of all time. The only one that comes close, and I even feel weird saying it because I don't think it does, but the only WrestleMania main event that I can even put on a on a relatively close tier to this was WrestleMania 31 when Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank because the pure shock value of that main event was absolutely incredible. Um, that's the only one that I can put even remotely remotely to anywhere universe near Austin Rock here. Um, again, I think this is the best WrestleMania event of all time, you know, 10 stars. I think what's most impressive about the match to me was that it just never slowed down. Neither guy stopped. It was full action, you know, with memorable, memorable moments happening throughout the entire contest. There wasn't a point in the match where you could say it lagged, you know, for three minutes. It just didn't lag. Um, it continued from the minute the bell rang until the match was over. I thought both guys were literally at their peak here, um, which is no surprise when we're talking about, you know, guys that were, you know, the caliber of Austin Rock. Um, I don't even know if The Rock was ever better than this performance right here. His chemistry with Stone Cold Steve Austin is unmatched, unlike anything we've ever seen before, after, um, ever, of all time, the, the chemistry between these two. Um, they had just several good matches even before this, no doubt. But this just took everything to another level. Uh, Rock's bumping was phenomenal. The heart he showed kicking out after all the big moves just made him a tougher guy in the eyes of the fans. He took a beating yet kept coming back. Like the Rock was the ultimate baby face in this match, I thought. Um, but, dude, like the work Austin did here was the story to me. He was simply put in this match, man. I watched it again today. A machine. There was nothing flawed in his performance on this night. The crowd just was cheering him nonstop, but he wrestled as aggressively and like viciously as some of the best heels I've ever seen. The facial expressions he used when he, you know, when he couldn't pin the rock were great. I loved how he sold the rocks, you know, late kick out by yelling shit repeatedly because he was so frustrated that he couldn't put him away. You know, you can look in his eyes, you know, to see the emotion, you know, to me, that's what, that is what pro wrestling to me is all about is emotion. Um, and, you know, putting on that act. Uh, and, and that, that to me is when wrestling was at its best. And this match encapsulated all of that. It's, you know, it's one thing to have a great brawl, but to have, that plus, you know, each performer doing exactly what you hope for during this match just showed how great these two were on this night. You know, what what were your thoughts on this match? Same uh, same thing. It was just, it, I mean, it's it's probably not even just the greatest WrestleMania match or, or greatest WrestleMania main event of all time. I know you have uh, Undertaker, HBK, mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. uh, for for us, twenty five is your number one, but just like from a from as wrestling on a whole, it's one of the greatest matches and mm -hmm. greatest storytelling matches of all time. Yeah, because not even not even from the moment these guys came out, but from the second Howard Finkel came out and said that the, the final match is now a no disqualification match, 
and the confusion on Jim Ross and Paul Heyman, where they're like, wait a minute, what? Like, why is this a no disqualification yeah. match now? Mm-hmm. And we all kind of wanted the same thing. We're like, oh, all right, this is a no DQ. Like, we're, we're not going to question it at right. the age of 15. <laughs> but then, like, as soon as Vince McMahon walks down, like, walks down the ramp, it starts to click. It's like, mm-hmm. so this is why it's no disqualification. Yep. And then, like, you start turning and you're like, no, like this isn't happening, right? And then, I thought it was gonna be the route. And then, and then Vince handed a chair to Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was, it was like somebody reached into my sixteen-year-old chest and crushed my heart. Mm. No, yep. this was Austin was the you know he he was, you know. The, the the anti-hero or like the, or like the ultimate anti-hero but he was the hero you know he was you know the only one who could stand up to the boss and you know, mm-hmm. you know and, and basically and and figuratively and literally give him the middle finger you know and do what everybody always want to do to their boss you know flip him off and hit him and this that and the other mm-hmm. but now they're they're teamed up now, yep. now they're together and jr put it so uh, so eloquently as only Jim Ross can, Austin sold his soul to Satan himself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, you can't really state it any better than that. Um, you know, this is one of those matches that will never get old for me, no matter how many times I watch it. I've probably watched it, my God, it, probably fifty to sixty times, maybe more. Um, yet it still feels fresh every time I watch it. You know, when it comes to that, say the the image of Stone Cold and Vince McMahon toasting a beer over the prone body of the rock. Yep. That Mm -hmm. is, that is one of the lasting images of Mm -hmm. the Attitude Era. It's it's the most defining moment. Like you have all like, like that's like, like that's attitude. Like I can't, like, I know you said that this period is essentially the end of the Attitude Era. Mm Mm-hmm. I think WrestleMania 18 was the end of the edge. Okay. I think that I, in my personal opinion, I think that's the end of it, but you know, but this was the, the, this is the fine. This was like, like, what is like, like, what am I watching right now? Right. Right. I mean, we're 20 years away from Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Like what is (laughs) happening? Like, exactly. Like like who messed up a spell? Like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And then when JR was after they toasted and JR was like, it's like Stone Cold and, and Mr. McMahon urinated on the rock. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's that's where our, our mind should go on that one. Um, but like it, it to me, like looking back, you know, was it a great move to have Austin, you know, turn heel considering where they were at that WrestleMania and how much the crowd was going to love him no matter what? Um, I, I, I don't know. You know, hindsight's always 2020. I don't I never would have turned Austin heel to begin with. Um, and I know this was an Austin call that Vince didn't want, but he allowed Austin the autonomy to make this call. Um, and obviously, you know, Austin has come out many times since then to say it was probably the wrong move, but he just felt he still needed to do it. Um, they, they did pop when he won, you know, but there were some boos when he shook Vince's hand. Um, he, like it's again, he said over the years that maybe they should have ad-libbed and not done it and then given him a stunner right then and there. But, you know, because of the WCW angle that dominated the company, 
that, you know, it didn't turn out as well as it could have. And then, you know, Austin got hurt a couple times in the middle of all of that. Um, you know, it, 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 it didn't hurt this match, though, in my opinion. The story was that Austin became heel by doing what he had to do to win, which he said in the promos leading up to the match. He needed this win more than anything you could ever imagine, he said. So it fit the storyline from a, a, a psychology standpoint. The heel turn made sense to me, and it makes sense thinking about it now, right? I mean, it, Austin did. He was a rattlesnake. He did what he needed to do to win. Um, I would have, I would have done, I would have done the heel turn exactly as it happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple things afterwards, I would not have done. I would have not have had that. It's still in my, it lives right frame in my head, and it has for twenty years. Um, the image of Stone Cold hugging Mr. McMahon when he had like that weird face when he was staring into the camera. Yeah, I would that. I no, uh, but you keep them heel. But here's a you keep them heel. And you have like, you know, Austin McMahon having this kind of alliance, not like an uneasy alliance, but they have mm-hmm. an alliance. You know, Vince has a vested interest in keeping Austin on top as the champion because of this WCW invasion. Yep. So he has, you know, so Vince is going to do whatever he can to make sure his number one guy still holds that top title. Then when Austin jumps to the alliance, McMahon's the one with the face turn. And yep. Austin is heel. I wouldn't have had, like, it's, you know, when, when I remember, you know, right before the invasion pay per view, when Austin came out and, 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 and Vince is like, I need the old Austin back, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he did that, you know, the crowd, the crowd popped hard for it. I wouldn't have, I would have kept that, uh, I would have kept the two of them together. I know? agree. You know, I agree. Austin's still the old Austin, but, you know, he's, what he's doing is to solidify his spot at the top with the title. Uh, And we all got a laugh out of everything that he did with the, when he was heel, you know, know, the the stuff where he's saying Kumbaya with the guitar and, you know, the kind of like bullying Kurt Angle, like he's a little kid, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, and obviously the, this hilarious promo is like the one that you sent us the other day back from uh, when Austin's talking to the guys before the invasion pay-per-view and, and, and Austin like slaps Undertaker's chest, and mm-hmm. Taker's like, "You did again. You're pulling back a nub." You know, it's just I, I would have cut maybe some of that like comedy aspect of it down because you yeah. still kind of keep them as heel. Mm-hmm. So when Austin does jump to WCW, it makes him more of a hated heel. And for the first time ever, we're cheering Vince. Yep, you're spot on about that. Um, you know, the show, the show goes to a, 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 an end here when, you know, with replays of the finish followed by Austin leaving with McMahon while the rock was trying to recover in the ring, you know, Jim Ross sold it tremendously by asking for answers and ended it with things will never be the same. And, you know, they, they weren't, you know, the Austin heel turn would be something new. So it was just very interesting at that point to see where things were going to go. Um, but it was just. Absolutely spectacular, man. I mean, so many great things about this match. Um, overall, you know, George, what do you what do you give this pay-per-view? If I'm going out of 10, I'm going nine out of 10. I think mm-hmm. it's I, I think I think it is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. 
I think it's one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely top tier with mm-hmm. SummerSlam 98, SummerSlam 2002 as the greatest pay-per-views of all time, premium live events. But you know, Premium live events, um, yeah. Uh, the only thing that was that I I don't give it a 10 for was the six man tag and yep. the women's match. Yeah. I didn't mind the gimmick battle royal. It mm. was fun. Okay. It, it, no, it no, I there. I agree. Yeah. It, you need a match like that to die the fans down because they can't be amped up the entire time. You just had Shane versus Vince and and you just had TLC. You need like the fans need a chance to rest. They need a yeah. chance to go this. Yeah. That's your break. I, I agree. So thinking about this the entire time we did this and we're wrapping up here. Um, thinking about this the entire time, I'm going to give the show a 10 out of 10. And I think it's the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And I think talking it over, I think it's the greatest event. I think it's the greatest pay-per-view event of all time um, with SummerSlam 2002 at number two. Um and then WrestleMania uh, 19, number three now to me, because I think what sets this WrestleMania apart from everything else was one, how massive it was being at the Astrodome. Um, the culmination of, of a couple years, you know, the, the biggest, you know, three or four year run in the history of the business and the enormity of and the importance of rock in Austin what rock and Austin meant to pro wrestling, man, is just still to this day, something that's not appreciated enough. It is. And they've been done. I mean, Austin might be wrestling again, but this rivalry has been done and over with for 19 years. It is still the most talked about rivalry of all time. And it's, and nothing, 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 nothing comes close to it. And I don't think anything ever will come close to it. They had, they main evented three WrestleManias and they were three of the biggest of all time. You know, they, they're, they broke records for revenue as main event stars. Austin is the biggest star in wrestling history. Obviously from a global perspective, the rock is the biggest, but however, I think I still put Austin there because there's so many people who don't know the rock as a wrestler. So yeah. to me, I was, I was thinking, I, I was, I was thinking right. as well. It's like, there's a, there's an entire generation of people growing up right now that have no idea who the rock is. Right. All they do is they think that it's just Dwayne Johnson's nickname. They don't know who the rock is. Right. He transcended the business. Yeah. Um, Austin, I think is the biggest and the greatest superstar that the industry ever saw. The only one that comes close to him to me is The Undertaker. But if you don't have Stone Cold Steve Austin in 97, 98, 99, there is no WWF. There, It's not. One man won the Monday Night Wars, and that was Stone Cold Steve Austin. One man. And, I, and look, I'll, I will battle anybody who says, oh, Vince McMahon did that. Vince McMahon. No, no, no. Vince writes it for him. But if the guy can't get over, he can't get over. Stone Cold Steve Austin, man, literally represented everything about that culture of from like 97 to 2001. Like, you know, that that rebellious culture that we were in at that time. Well, we know we were in high school at that time. 
So we know what era we, what the culture was like at that time. He just represented the blue collar, the middle class. That's what he, that's what he was. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, man, is the biggest star in the history of the business, and there'll never be another one like him. They just can't. It just, it was one of those perfect lightning in a bottle scenarios for four years, four or five years. And I'm so, so grateful to, to look back and be like, God damn, I got to watch that every week and I got to experience it. And I love that I can go back now and I can watch it anytime I want, whether it's a network or Peacock, I don't care. I got to go back and watch it and experience like, God, we'll, we'll never have, we will never have it again. And that yeah. sucks to say, but we're never going to have that again. Well, think of it. Think of it this way, Chris, because to go back to what you said about one man winning the Monday Night Wars, mm-hmm. when they're like, yeah, Vince wrote it, but Vince also wrote everything for Shawn Michaels in mm-hmm. 95 and 96. Mm-hmm. And yep. yeah, Shawn was over with the WF crowd, but nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. As nope. much as I love Shawn Michaels, as much it as was, you love Yep, it was NWO, baby. Shawn Michaels could not compete with the NWO. No. And that's not his fault. It's not, he, it's, it's not even that Austin beat the NWO. Yeah. The NWO beat the NWO. Exactly. WCW ran NWO into the goddamn ground to the point that by the time Austin rose mm-hmm. to prominence and we'll say 97, we'll say the whole yeah, year. 97, WrestleMania. We'll say all of 1997 in general. Mm-hmm. The, okay. The only thing NWO had was the feud against Sting. And when that was botched at Starcade in December of 1997, that was it. Nobody gave a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. It was it's like they're like, all right, this is all right, it's like, all right, you had a thing and then you fucked it up. Mm-hmm. So let's go see what the other people are doing. This guy named Stone Cold Steve also is making waves. And then Mike Tyson's on TV. Mike Tyson's face to face with Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. the baddest man on the planet, and the baddest man in WWE. Yep, face to face, and they rode that for so long, just Stone Cold by himself. It didn't matter what he was doing. He lost the title to Kane at King of the Ring in '98 and won it back the next fucking night. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. yeah. Goldberg beat Hogan on free TV with no build. Yep. What kind of spike did you get out of that? You didn't get a lasting impression out of it. You grabbed another bald guy and threw him in black trunks and thought you had nothing. The next Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you didn't even have anything close because Goldberg, as much as I love Goldberg, he is not a promo. He can't. No. He no. needs a voice. He needs a voice box in the worst way. He wasn't going to carry that company. WCW no. had nothing to fight one guy, one goddamn guy. Yep. They had an entire roster. They had Hogan. They had Nash. They had Hall. None of those guys could touch nope. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Even when Hogan went back to the red and yellow. No one cared. Nobody cared. And nope. this is a big reason of why nobody cared. And I'll tell you why. Because the, the night that Hogan went back to red and yellow. It was August 9th, 1999. I remember. Do you know what Raw aired in retaliation to Hogan going back to the red and yellow? I don't remember. 
Chris Jericho's debut. Oh my God. <laughs> Nobody was talking about Hogan going back to red and yellow. No. Chris Jericho got in the ring and went toe to toe with the rock on the mic. <laughs> yep. So not even Austin. I mean, Hogan and Red Yellow wasn't even beat by Austin. No, that's he wild. When it so, comes crashing down, it hurts inside. Hell, oh, and it hurt all right. It hurt like two bad knees and a bad back. Yeah. But like, it, it was just insane that mm-hmm. everything with Stone Cold Steve Austin, this is turning this turn to a love fest, and I don't care. That's okay. I lived it. We grew up in this. We lived this it. Is what we're watching this is the next day at school everybody's talking about austin's hill tour with vincent yep. everybody's talking about it we all mm-hmm. watched it everybody it was it was water cooler talk yep and there was no water cooler yeah everybody was talking about it was cafeteria it. talk exactly yeah it yep it was cultural mm-hmm. it was the, it was it was a shift yeah like it, it was, was a like seismic vince, shift yeah it was like vince bought wcw and then further just nailed them into the fucking ground with yep. WrestleMania 17. They're like, I bought you, and now I'm going to piss on the grave of your ashes. Yep. Love it. Beautiful. Um, all right. Um, I, I can't top what George just did. Thank God for him. And that's going to wrap us up this week. Um, coming up later on in the year, uh, we're going to do you know Stone Cold shows. We're going to highlight certain years and really dive into, you know, how perfect and great Stone Cold was. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to doing those shows. Um, but uh, I want to thank everybody for for listening last week and the weeks before. The archives are picking up more and more downloads, so I really appreciate that so much. Um, next week, I believe we are finally going to touch on WrestleMania 25. And the week after that, we will get into WrestleMania 18. So we'll jump all the way to 25 next week, and then we'll... Uh, bring you back to WrestleMania 18. So uh, looking forward to those two shows. Um, George Rogers, man, thank you so much for hopping on. Very much excited uh, for next week's show. Um, Should be a good time. Um, All right. So Multiverse Movie Podcast just dropped an episode. What are you guys discussing? We just did the 1994 I'm not even going to say blockbuster. It made some money. We did the 1994 movie Blown Away. Plus, we did a review um, on the uh, series Peacemaker. As okay. Well. Awesome. Uh, we just released uh, just early, uh, late last week, the brand new episode of Big Geek Energy, uh, episode number 34, our top 10 favorite sports movies. Go check that out. I also just announced on Instagram tonight, which is a Tuesday night here on 222 2022. Uh, on Tuesday. That on Tuesday. That's what I said. Tuesday. I know, but I'm saying it's. Oh, Tuesday. Tuesday. You're right. Good call. Um, I announced that. Um, the I'm going to dr- freaking out with the crystals and tarot I, cards. I know. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Gold Rush Niners pod will be dropping um, uh, its first episode uh, this week, later this week. Uh, good little introductory episode that I'll bring out to everybody. It's a uh, San Francisco 49ers centric podcast. So I'm sure unless you're a 49ers fan, uh, it won't, might not be your cup of tea, but nonetheless, a lot going on with that. That's going to, you know, no, I'm gonna listen. I, I know. Uh, Gold <laughs> Rush Niners pod on Instagram. Go check that out. I just uh, debuted. I know. I just, <laughs> I just, I just uh, released 
uh, the, the new logo for the show. So I, I love it. Just a fantastic job uh, done uh, by CPL Design Works. Um, she's tremendous. Um, but no, thank you guys so much. This has been the Hot Tag Podcast. Hot Tag Podcast on Instagram. Uh, again, you guys can hear this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Any, anywhere. Spotify, Google, Apple, um, anywhere. Podbreaker. Uh, I don't know. There's so many of them. Uh, Pod Bay. Cassette. We're also releasing them on CD. <laughs> we uh, eight, eight track is coming in the fall. Exactly. We're gonna. Ha- it's gonna be so many different avenues soon. We're gonna have vinyl by by November. So it's gonna be great. Um, but no. Um, thank you guys very much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend. Um, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Have a good one. Bye bye.